Hi, I'm Talia Zafari. And I'm Lara Sami. Together, we are co-presidents of Teens Find Middle Ground. Teens Find Middle Ground aims to create meaningful dialogue among us teenagers, the future leaders of the world. Every week, we bring together teenagers from different political backgrounds who have varying opinions and hopes to find a middle ground. We want to break the cycle created by politicians and the media that create a us versus them mentality and instead promote a bipartisan solution to enact lasting change through meaningful discourse. According to Axios, President Biden, along with South Korean and Japanese leaders, just held a groundbreaking summit at Camp David. They are bolstering military cooperation and taking this trilateral meeting an annual tradition. This move signifies a step forward in Japan-South Korean relations, driven by concerns over China's and North Korea's assertiveness. Agreements include joint military exercises, ballistic missile defense coordinations, and a crisis hotline. The leaders stress unity in an uncertain world, despite Beijing's objections. They also address concerns about China's actions. The summit aims to enhance Indo-Pacific stability and cooperation, but alliance isn't against any nation but for a secure and open Indo-Pacific region. This is Camp David's first such summit in years. Do you think China's objections to the trilateral alliance between South Korea, Japan, and the United States will impact its relations with those respective nations? I think it would be strange if China didn't object because obviously the goal is to combat threats from China. Um, but no, I don't think China will alter its relations with any of these states, specifically the United States, because we've always had a fraught and confusing relationship. It's not like China's our closest ally. There's always been things that they have done that we don't like and we've done that they don't like. So I think this is just something else that's going to turn out that way. I totally agree from both a uh, political and policy-based standpoint. Um, in addition to an economic one, recently China has been undergoing a, a really bad economic situation where the economy has been contracting. And this is due to the fact that people emerging from quarantine in China in the pandemic um, have been spending a lot less and China's economy depends on real estate prices. And so, um, with real estate prices going down and China's economy contracting, the U.S. remains a very important ally in terms of the, com- the country's economic stability. To what extent is China's concern over the formation of exclusive alliances justified? Is there a risk of further polarization and block confrontation in the Asian Pacific region due to such alliances? Well, I think that is interesting that we've been talking about um, the United States and South Korea's alliance um because we also haven't really touched upon yet taiwan and how recently there was an article published a few months back um by the bbc but also by a lot of main news channels talking about how xi jinping has told his army to prepare to invade china in either 2026 or 20 uh, taiwan sorry in 2026 or 2027. So I think by bolstering relations with South Korea and the Indo-Pacific area, the United States is also beginning to kind of step ahead from this potential invasion um, and perhaps be able to mitigate some of its impacts. I think alliances are necessary because the main goal is to avoid conflict that includes many nations and, you know, prevent war in a nuclear age. 
So obviously, I think the U.S. needs to set itself up well with foreign allies in order to combat threats from nations that have the most nuclear and um, uh, nuclear power and capabilities in war. So obviously, this is a smart move on our part, I think, bipartisanly. How does the establishment of the trilateral hotline for regional crises impact the sovereignty of the involved countries? I think these are kind of the same concerns that were thought up when people initially presented the idea of NATO, where you're kind of going against sovereignty and making it about a collective force against someone. And now we see that that's actually helpful because it prevents attacks because you have the weight of multiple nations behind you. I mean, I think that NATO point is a really great point because that's the type of mentality that our world has kind of shifted um, to endorse. Because at the same time, the United States no longer really has sovereignty in the sense that it can make decisions irrespective of the numerous alliances that it's fostered. Um, And so while I feel like um, the United States, obviously, not to be redundant, but does have sovereignty within its borders and does have sovereignty in the sense of upholding democracy, given that the United States moves to foster democracy and foster democracy's principles, the United States is always moving in tandem with countries that agree towards that or also want to move towards growing and mobilizing those principles in their own country. If there were changes in the U.S. leadership, is this alliance at risk of the U.S. prioritizing its own well-being first? I think this is going to be a question that comes to center stage during the presidential election of 2024, because I think this is what most Republicans are going to counter this alliance and this Biden move with, is the fact that it's not putting America first. I think in the end, it will put America first because we're preventing foreign adversaries from hitting our other allies and eventually us. But I do think that this is going to become something that's politicized and brought to kind of more of a national scale and everyone's going to pay more attention to it because of the election coming up. I I think that's a really interesting point. I agree. And I guess to touch on it also in a bit of a tangentially different direction, I think that all the proxy wars that the United States has fought, for example, the United States almost parades itself as having fought these proxy wars in order to whatever, um, like perhaps like permeate democracy and all of these things. But in the end of the day, a lot of people say these proxy wars were fought in the United States' own self-interest. So I think it's interesting to consider how the United States um, also conducts itself um, externally. Should concerns over historical human rights abuses impact the decision to form military and diplomatic alliances, or should security and geopolitical priorities take precedence? I think that if you always are looking at history in the past, then you like can't accurately make alliances for the future. Like if you're looking at past human rights abuses, we interned Japanese Americans. Like we're not we're not great examples of what good people should do. So I think you can't take people's human rights abuses and prevent them from making diplomatic alliances just because we need to protect in the future atrocities from happening. Like, you know, so many of our allies have done horrible things. Like Turkey is an ally and they, you know, have the Armenian genocide. Like that's just a tiny example. So I don't, I don't think we can play this moral high ground when we're just as bad as everyone else. 
Thank you so much. Thank you for coming. Thank you for all our listeners as well as our participants. I know some people may not be comfortable speaking, but thank you for all listening.